Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. I just want to take a minute together collectively, and uh, and I actually want to, I want to pray for India uh, right now before we jump any, any further. Uh, it is insane, the level of just suffering uh, that that nation is going through. And, and it was difficult for me because, you know, before it kind of started to hit the newsreels hard, a dear friend of mine who I used to work with in Toronto, uh, she and her husband uh, were from India and uh, we worked together for uh, for about six months or whatever, but really made a strong connection. And uh, and then they moved back. Um, so they're in, uh, they're in Delhi. You know, and I just saw on her Facebook a post, a very deeply personal post, just talking about how pain, just how much pain and how much suffering and how dark it is for that nation. And, and, um, and so just, you know, these are my friends. So I just, if we can together, just pray for that country in particular. And I mean, the world in general, I know that there's a lot of need, but Lord Jesus, we ask that you would come into, uh, into this, this nation. And Lord, we pray that you would give their leadership, their political leadership, we pray that you'd give them great will and, and, and uh, wisdom, compassion. Lord, we ask that, uh, that you would bring your mercy to, you'd bring your mercy to that part of the world. Lord, to the many who are suffering, to the many who are dying, Lord, um, to the families that are, that are surrounding them. Uh, Jesus, that you would be near and present. And we ask, Lord, that your, um, that your spirit would move in that nation. We pray that you would deliver them from this scourge. And Lord, we ask as well that you would open up the channels of, of, uh, so that they ask that you'd be able to, that you'd protect them and that that would be both through your spirit as I have seen you do with my own eyes in that nation. And Lord, that it would also be through, um, through uh, great efficiency in, in bringing the vaccination to these people. We just pray for them right now, Lord. Have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Hmm. Yeah, it just remains, remains to be crazy times, challenging times in all of this. I know there's so much more that we could be praying for with regards to just the need of this time. But, uh, yeah. <sighs> How are you, everybody? How are you doing? Has been quite a week. And I know, of course, last week we took some, some time and processing with, uh, with, with Allison and Adrian and the kids with regards to their upcoming move, um, and so that's been, I know that's been, a, a, is an ongoing process for, for all of us. Um, yeah. And we just want to be continuing to, to be, be praying for, you know, for you guys as a family and also just recognizing our own, our own journey in that as a, as a, as a family. Um, this morning, I don't know if it's directly connected to the journey that we're on kind of with with the Wilsons and the change, but I, th- I think there's certainly a bit of a dovetail there. But um, just kind of feeling like I wanted to step back, or feeling drawn back towards our sort of erstwhile um, series, teaching series around um, the stories of the Bible. 
And, uh, and I was actually, my, my initial plan was to jump into, uh, was to jump back into the life of David, which we, uh, which I just really want to give a, a more fulsome uh, time to treatment to so such an important person in, 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 in the life of the scriptures and then, um, and uh, in the kind of prefiguring and invitation of Jesus. Um, and so as I started to prepare that, I, um, I was thinking about how he's called, you know, son of, son of David. And, and so I was digging into that a little bit. And of course, you know, the gospel of Matthew opens up with uh, something that makes no sense to a modern reader. Uh, the gospel of Matthew opens up with a genealogy. Um, now, how many of you guys love your genealogies in, in the Bible? Like if you get to a genealogy, how many of you are reading slows down and you just really dig in and do a deep word study? Am I, am I getting any amens here? Am I getting, yeah. <laughs> I see, I see that hand, Miranda. Miranda loves the genealogy. I actually have a friend who, uh, she, she absolutely adores genealogies and it's the only person I know. Um, yeah, but but Matthew he sees fit to start off with this big long genealogy, right? And um, and so it's it's kind of there, and there are other places, of course, as well that we hear Jesus referred to as the Son of David. But it's interesting because in Matthew's Gospel, as it opens up, it actually says um, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. And I saw that, and it just caused me to pause for a moment. And, and kind of put a little time out in my um, uh, desire to get to David. I, I'm, I'm such a fan of, of the character of David, of King David. And, um, but this son of Abraham, it, I just hadn't, I mean, I've read that, I don't know, how many, many times, I'm sure. I've read that, I've read that gospel many, many times. And, but for some reason, it just hadn't struck me as being meaningful. Um, so this morning, we're going to actually talk about, about Abraham. We're going to talk about Jesus, son of Abraham. What does that even, what does that even mean? Um, why did why did Matthew say that? Um, what does it mean for Jesus to be son of? I mean, is Jesus not simply the son of God? Is that not is that not good enough? Is you know, it's an interesting it's interesting wordplay, right? And so um, there are probably multiple uh, reasonable answers to that, to that question. Um, but when I think of that language, son of, I, to, to me, there's an, it speaks to um, not, just a, not just a lineage, uh, which of course is meaningful for all sorts of things. We all want to know where we came from. Um, but it actually speaks to, uh, to something greater. It speaks to an inheritance, one who carries the line of, um, you know, and w- as I think we're going to see, one who carries the promise of, one who carries the thing that defined Abraham, the things that Abraham carried or introduced. In Jesus, who as we know from the scriptures, he, we say, you know, scriptures say that Jesus sums all things up into himself, right? There is a, there's a, there's a all thingsness to Jesus, a fulfillment that's in Jesus. And so there's something about Jesus that is a fulfillment of, of something that began, that was birthed in the life of Abraham. 
And so that's what we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this morning. Um, as with many of the, uh, as with many of the biblical characters that we're going to talk through here, um, as we this this will be an ongoing. This will be like every so often we're going to do a Bible story, uh, uh, stories of the Bible morning. Um, you know Hebrews eleven. It doesn't capture all of the all of the you know meaningful characters of the scriptures by any stretch, um, but it does highlight on some of the majors, right? And of course Hebrews eleven is the it's the great faith passage. It's the it's the heroes of the faith, and we've referenced it before, and we'll reference it again, I'm sure. Um, but you know, we're, I just I, I kind of want to open with that. But but firstly, you know. It's just super interesting here. So when you think of Abraham, uh, Abraham gets, well, there I changed where my reference point was here. Okay, so Abraham gets introduced here, right? Right near the beginning of the book. Uh, basically chapter, chapter 12 of Genesis. And Hebrews 11, again, my references, or my, I had this all pegged up. This is close enough. There we go. Hebrews 11 is right near the end of the book, right? So when we're talking about the promise of, of Abraham that's summed up in Jesus, uh, that represents a massive, that, that's basically almost the entirety of the scriptures right here, right? Um, there's, this is major. And I, I don't know if you read the, the blurbs that come out in the e-news, but, but in there, I kind of make this claim, you know, that, uh, <clears throat> both it's both true of David, but it's also true of Abraham that without a knowledge of, of, of who Abraham is and the promise and the story, it's almost impossible for us to have any sense of scale or the grandeur or the nature of, the, of, of who Jesus was and is in the scheme of God's purposes. Like this is, this is major, uh, major insignificant stuff. And so in Hebrews, when, uh, when the author of Hebrews looks to sum up <laughs> the life of Abraham, I think it bears paying attention to uh, because there's a long history and the author of Hebrews, the boldness to be able to interpret Abraham and to say this, we've got the measure of the man here. Uh, it's not a small thing. It's a very bold and brash thing. So I'm just going to read what Hebrews 11 has to say about, about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise, him being God. And so from this one man, and he is good as dead, meaning very old, 
From this one man came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they pro the things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such uh, things show that they are looking for a country of their own. They have been thinking of the country they had left. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him that it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead, back from death. So in, in this passage of Hebrews that you know lifts Abraham up. Now Abraham was not a perfect, was not a perfect person. There's critique we can bring to his actions. He was occasionally deceitful um with with uh with people he um he he was known to tell a politically convenient lie a time or twice um um but there's this idea that god saw his his faith his trust his adherence to a promise and credited it to him as as a kind of righteousness um, and so I just want to think about this. And I, I, I do love the language as well of, you know, asking the question, what, what was Abraham beholding? What was he seeing? What was he pursuing in the midst of his long journey, the journey of his life, his story? Because here's the thing. We're not going to be able to dig into all the particulars of the story of Abraham this morning. We're just not time. It's huge. It's long. It's uh, it's worth it's worth reading over and over again, um, but he Abraham was a man who journeyed an awful lot. Um, he was the equivalent in his day of 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 you know a world traveler. Um, I did I, I kind of pulled up uh, Google Earth this morning and was kind of mapping out the journey that they have him take. And, um, you know, he, uh, um, he journeyed in his lifetime over 2,500 kilometers by foot uh, in a fairly hostile environment. He was not, he was not in an air-conditioned bus or vehicle. He was taking family often with him. Uh, he was traveling with everything that he owned. Um, it's it's an epic journey. He 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 basically he goes um, around this massive desert area, the the desert that is what we think of when we think of the wilderness that Jesus was in. He circumnavigates a good chunk of that in his in his journey, uh, and he does it as an old man. Um, he, his, he initially he's following his father, his dad, and uh, who, who you know he kind of hears that he, that they're supposed to go to the land of Canaan, and we're not going to dig too deep into this, but the land of Canaan is is 
you know, from the time of Noah, you know, you, you kind of have this, there's a, a curse that comes on that land. And there's sort of this redemptive story of God saying, I'm going to give this land to you. Um, and another thing that is sort of significant in some ways is uh, immediately preceding the introduction of Abraham onto the scene, um, we have the, the story of the Tower of Babel. And so um, all I want to introduce here is that in, in the sort of biblical arc of storytelling, um, the, the Lord has just created confusion among the, all, all peoples. There's been this sense of, dis, of disconnection. And you guys know the story of Babel. I'm sure the people of the earth are coming together and they're going to do this thing on their own. And they're going to reach into heaven on their own strength and their own kind of cooperative will. And the Lord has a different plan. And so there's this sense, at least in the biblical story, of there being um, a, a, a sort of breaking apart of people groups and of languages and of communication. And you see that in the story of, of Abraham, all these different people groups, all these different political entities that are vying for power. And this is the context in which Abraham starts to, he starts out his journey and he receives, he receives a, a promise and he receives it um, in, in the land of Ur. So he's, he travels with his father to this place. And that's about a thousand kilometer journey that they take together. And, and then they're about halfway uh, to the land of Canaan. And his father dies. It kind of sets up shop, gets comfortable, sets up shop, and then eventually passes away, right? And Abraham gets his own, his own call to follow, his own. And, and in fact, this is what it says. The Lord, now he had a different name at that point. Abram. And so in, in chapter 12 of Genesis, he receives a promise and this promise drives him. So up until this point, he's been following his earthly dad. And then, and then the Lord speaks to him directly and says, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I, whoever curses you, I will curse. So this all sounds very much like Old Testament language. This sounds very much in keeping with things. You know, um, hey, listen, there's cursing, there's blessing. This is, this is very familiar language. But then the Lord goes on to say something that is very interesting, particularly in light of the fact that the peoples have just have, had this experience of separation, of confusion um, in, the, in the Babel narrative, right? The Lord puts a promise into Abraham and he says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It is such an interesting and easily overlooked thing in the story of Abraham. And we know Abraham is the father of, you know, actually three of the three of the sort of great so-called, you know, religions on the earth look back to father to Abraham as father Abraham, right? And so of course this would be the Jewish, uh, Jewish people, this would be the Christians and Muslims. We all kind of look to Abraham as being the father of of the you know these these great religions, and um, and yet the promise here is is all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so Abram went as the Lord told him, 
and he was 75 years. I'm sorry, it was Haran that he was in, not her. 70, uh, he's 75 years old. And so he sets out on this journey, right? The following into like the, the, this promise that, that beckons us forward is the thing that has really grabbed me in, in thinking about the life of, of Abram, Abraham. And there are a couple of things that I want to highlight in his story. So um, it does not take long before Abram, soon to be Abraham, becomes very wealthy and rich. He has means, he is self-sustaining. And, uh, and as he goes on, he, he encounters different areas of conflict. And out of each of these conflicts, or many of them at least, he walks away an enriched individual, materially, right? Um, he and Sarah, his wife, they are they they are not able to conceive a child initially not until she's much um, not not until much later and uh and you know so there there's the sense of lack that they're dealing with but there's a continual like at any i guess my point is at any point abraham had the capacity to settle and to be comfortable and yet something in the promise refused him that option or he or he refused that option and he carries on forward following the invitation of the lord and what's interesting is the number of times that the lord essentially restates the same promise with subtle variations subtle differences here and there Right. And so at one point, in short order, there's a separation of ways because Abram and um, and his nephew, Lot, uh, they're both too rich and they're starting to have conflict. They're they're not able to occupy the same space. That's a it's a very interesting kind of what we might call a first world problem. Right. They're both so rich. They're having a hard time being able to get along. And so they have a parting of ways. Relationally, they're okay, but it's slightly complicated. And Lot chooses, you know, it looks like Lot sort of chooses the the preferred land. Um, But then the word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision, and he says, you know, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I am uh, your very great reward. Right? And then he carries on, and he restates the promise. A son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir because Abraham was con- or Abraham was concerned he didn't have an heir it was going to go to another relative everything that he had acquired and even I guess his sense of the, pur- the purpose and the promise that God had called him for right he says no a, a, a son who's your own flesh and blood is going to be your heir and he took him outside and he sh- and, and he said look up to the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them and we know that he had, that he couldn't we have there's there's a lot of them and he said so shall your offspring be and abram believed the lord and this is where we get this thing and it was credited to him as righteousness right but there's this sort of in the face of adversity the promise comes to him again and it's an insane promise right it's it's like beyond measure it's a promise that is beyond measure 
And so Abram, one of the one of the hangups that Abram has a number of different times is that he tries to enact the problem. He believes God so much and he trusts God so much, um, but he also thinks that he's got a pretty good read on things. And so there's a number of times where he tries to enact the promises of God himself and he tries to figure it out. He says, well, if Sarah can't have have children, um, you know, then we're going to do this another. We're going to try this another way. And he and he creates. Uh, he creates a number of messes, relational messes in his life, trying to make God's promises happen. And yet, the promise stays true. The Lord uh, continues, right? And so, um, you know, here a little bit later in Genesis 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord, so, you know, in our understanding of this, we're talking like older than, you know, Queen Elizabeth, right? Like he was pretty old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. And then he changes his name. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now, where you reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Again, it's this restated thing, right? And there's a sense of this everlastingness. And that's why I think it's important to look at the scope of the scriptures and kind of go, wow, if you bookend these things, this is, this is like very, very significant. Everlasting. And of course, the story goes on. Abraham and Sarah do conceive a child. And then we talked about this. We talked about this in the life of Isaac. There's this crazy moment of offering up, right? Where Abraham is willing to offer Isaac, who is very clearly and in articulate ways, is the 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 substance, the very incarnation of the promise that God has given, right? And there's this whole thing of sacrifice and God stays his hand, right? And I'm just going to get to the, you know, and, and restate, you know, through you, your offspring, through and through your offspring, Abraham, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, There is something in the story of, of Abraham that emboldens this wild life. And it is. It's a wild life of adventure, of uncertainty, of risk, of personal vulnerability. Like, I mean, he could have died violently a number of times. And what's crazy in the story of Abraham 
as we stated right at the get-go, he died having not seen the fulfillment of the promise. It was all in the promise. You know, at one point, he gets to the land that's going to be the promised land, or it is the promised land. And the Lord says, walk every step of it. Walk every step of the land. Survey the land. See it. Take it in. Follow. And there's something to me that's just absolutely beautiful about the heart of Abraham and his willingness to survey to take in, to see, and to, um, like, he, there's a sowing that's taking place, right? A sowing that's taking place. And, and if we, as we kind of connect this in to the life of Jesus, right, who is ultimately the fulfillment of every single promise, like Jesus is exactly who is in mind and even who is speaking because Abraham has conversations with the Lord, right? The angel of the Lord. We've talked about this. And, and he's, he's satisfied to be drawn out into uncertainty without, without uh, you know, there's provision. But he's, he's, not landing the, he's not landing the deal here. There's an open-handedness. And I feel really compelled by this because I'm trying to understand in our day, in our time, in our culture, I, I want to see the, the, the fruit of the move of God. We sang that not so long ago. You know, do again in our day, right? Do, Lord, move. We want to see the things of the kingdom. And we do. And it's, and it's good for us to earnestly look for those things. And at the same time, this invitation that Abraham carries for us, that it is okay to follow and to not know and to not see, right? To trust. And I... You know, I look around, I think about the future and I just, I have to trust Jesus. You know, my personal story right now, my personal inner life story right now is that I have a lot of hope for what the world is going to look like when things open up again, when things get to be a bit more normal again. I have a lot of hope about that. I think about that a lot. I think about the next time we can be together properly. I think about when Liv and I can make music again in public and all the different things and hanging out and meals and all of those things. And yet it's been sort of dawning on me lately that I have no idea what's coming. I have no idea, you know, the, the world is probably not going to get a whole lot less complicated in my lifetime. It's probably going to get more complicated in our lifetimes, you guys. In fact, this morning I was journaling and I went to write the date. I went to write April 25th, 2021. And the strangest thing as I was writing it, I felt almost compelled, and I didn't write it, but I, it was like, I, I wanted to write 2041. April 25th, 2041. I was like, well, that's weird. And then I started to think, 
what might that look like? What might 2040, April 25th, 2041, what might that look like? Will I be around? Probably, all things being equal, I'll probably be around. What's the world going to look like? What am I going to be? What's my journal entry going to be on that day? You know, what, what, what things are we going to be wrestling with in that day? And the reality is, we don't know. Um, and so there's a piece, a, um, a piece that exists for me. I don't mean peace is in the piece of a thing. I mean peace is in the peace of God. The shalom of knowing that it is God's story and God's promises that are being written. And my the invitation to me and to you, like it was to Abraham, is to follow faithfully, open-handedly, and to trust. I'm just going to close this way this morning. I feel like I've gone a bit over time. Um, I came across this New York Times article. It's old. It's from 1983. And uh, actually, maybe what I'll do, just because it's an interesting read, if you have time, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna post this in the in the chat. Might be worthwhile clicking on it and reading it later. Kind of. There you go. Um, <clears throat> But I'm just going to read an excerpt right towards the end of it, speaking about the life of Abraham. Though he had entered Canaan at last, Abraham's traveling was not yet over. In a sense, it had only begun. I just want to pause here for a minute and say, we have the gospel. We've entered into the new life of Jesus. That's part of the promise of the scriptures. Our journey, we've arrived. When we find Jesus, we can say that with some certainty, we've arrived. We've arrived at a destination. And yet, while is it not true that in some ways the journey is only beginning? Though he had entered Canaan at last, though he had entered the promise at last, Abraham's traveling was not yet over. In a sense, it had only begun. He was in the promised land, but not yet of it. This land did not possess him, nor he it. Walk through this land in its length and its breadth. The ancient voice told him, and all of it will be yours. Early on, he judiciously, didn't say that word right, but that's fine, picked out a spot as his permanent home, Hebron. But in the fertile, sunny south, and then he did again, as God said, he traveled his land. As if the very condition of its belonging to him and his descendants was that he cover every square inch of it, live in every quarter of it, journey to the lands bordering it, Egypt, the territories of modern Jordan, the Gaza Strip, of Lebanon, of Syria. Nowhere can you travel there that he didn't. Nowhere do modern Israelis live that he didn't live. Nowhere do they fight today for survival that he didn't fight for survival. He talked with God, with angels, with Pharaoh, with kings, with princes, with Bedouins, in palaces, in towns, in huts, in tents, in the open fields. He could use honeyed words, the subtle understatement of bargaining, 
the diplomatic lie, the threat. He arbitrated the division of vast properties. He accumulated gold, silver, copper, real estate, herds of cattle. He led his own army, fought pitched battles, asked for no quarter from lethal enemies, and gave them none. Although he pleaded naggingly with God to have compassion on men whose vile wickedness he deplored, for he hated human waste. At the age of 100, he fathered a famous son, Isaac, and fetched a bride, Rebekah, for him from 2,000 miles away. When his own wife, Sarah, died for the sake of more children, he took a second wife and fathered whole tribes that still live today in Jordan, Syria, Libya, and North Africa. That is, that is quite, that's quite a dense couple of paragraphs in the life of Abraham. But I just, we're going to close out just with this reflection. It's a wild world right now. Lots of uncertainty. You know, we're sending the Wilsons off. They're, they're, entering, into an, they're entering into an adventure, right? We are entering into an adventure. There's a subduing that we want to see. And I'm not talking about domination, but I'm just talking about the flourishing life of God in our communities. And though Abraham did not see everything, he didn't see the fulfillment of everything, he lived such a, such a rich and dynamic life with Christ, well, with God, with Christ ultimately. And so this morning, Lord, where we find you, we've stepped into the promise. And we celebrate the promise and we worship you in the promise and we're thankful for the promise. But yeah, this promised land is still really messy and still kind of crazy. You ask us to walk it, to be present in it, and to journey through it. Lord, would you make us stout-hearted like our father Abraham was? Would you tether us to the promise? And not just the promise of personal flourishing, but the promise of your flourishing, that all people would be blessed through your work that would be blessed through your work in us. Would you tether us to that promise? Lord, we ask that you would lead us through every square foot of the promised land of your gospel while we're still walking in this earth. Help us to see and to recognize the big story, the long story, the slow story. And I thank you, Lord, that there is a line, a long, winding, circular, (laughs) backtracking line that leads to you, that leads to Christ with us, God with us, Emmanuel. Thank you, Jesus.
Amen. So this morning, in closing out the feed, um, yeah, I bless, I bless you. Um, it's always a funny thing to say. I always want to include myself in that. Bless us to be people of the promise. I think there's something in that for us in a time of want. All right, so may God go with you. Um, if you're watching on one of the live streams, I'm just going to close this out now. So be well and uh, yeah, peace.